0: There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective.
1: Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot.
2: Right. safe so much in my car. Safe drivers save up to 20% with insurance. Get a quote at aaa.com/insurance.
3: and welcome to this week's brand new episode of the Geek Geek Buddies! We're back at it this week knee deep in in the middle of CinemaCon week over there in Vegas and uh, we are here to talk about so many things that have happened to here uh, on, in the world of geekery. We're going to talk about that Flash trailer. We're going to talk about the Flash first reactions a lot of people see in the movie. As we're recording this the last night, uh, we're also going to jump into some uh, other trailers that have happened here. And also some uh, Book of Boba Fett, Tamora Morrison griping down in New Zealand or possibly ball busting, depend on, uh, depending on your interpretation of his comments. Uh, and we're also going to get into some James Gunn stuff as we're on the eve of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 coming out very, very soon. So all that is happening here on this particular episode of The Geek Buddies. But let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw John Rooker, writer, producer, and host here on the channel.
1: I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is
4: Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can see some of our current work on Netflix right now with Strawberry
3: Shortcake, in the Big City, Seasons 1 and 2. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, um, thank you all so much for joining us here. For those of you who are new, welcome aboard the Geek Buddies train. We're always picking up new people every week, which is great. For those of you who have been with us the whole time, thank you very much for sticking around the way the show works. Each of us brings up a geek news item. We take a break and then talk about our main topic. And our main topic, is the James Gunn massive article that was in The Hollywood Reporter detailing about his incredible journey from when he was let go of the Guardians of Galaxy franchise all the way to where he's coming back to direct it and now co-in-charge over there at DC. Uh, Pictures, of course, with The Flash uh, coming out as well as a part of that as we're entering into a new version of the, of the DC universe there under James Gunn and uh, Peter Saffron. But gentlemen, uh, how are you feeling? How, let's check in with you. What, what's going on in your worlds? How are you feeling what is what, what's the prevalent uh, uh, attitude that you've got coming into the show today Vogel I'll start with you
1: what is my prevalent attitude she's tired <laughs> she's tired. <laughs> I, uh, I spent the weekend, I spent last weekend in Florida with my, with my family and my found family. I took, uh, took a bunch of my gay besties to Florida, which currently has a travel advisory against going there for gay people, but we yeah. said, hey, let's throw caution to the wind and go to Florida anyway, and uh, took my gay besties to meet my parents, and uh, my brother and sisters were there as well, and we had a lovely weekend of gay frivolity, there were kaftans involved, there were rompers involved. I ate a lot. I drank a lot. I got back late Monday night, and I've been catching up on work ever since. So wow. I am satisfied emotionally, Wow. but I am physically tired.
3: <laughs> Incredible. If Baymax oh, asked
4: you if you were satisfied with your care, what would you say?
1: I would say – You just wrap me in those big puffy Michelin man arms of yours and just pat me on my head, baby. That's what I want.
3: (laughs) Uh, Shannon, what's your prevalent attitude? How are you feeling, brother? How are things in your world? You know, I'm a little tired as well. Hmm. Um,
4: uh, this one particular show, as as some of our audience may know, there is a potential writer's strike yes. on the horizon, along yes. with um, negotiations negotiations coming up for the DGA, as well as SAG-AFTRA. So there is a feeling in the industry, uh, they're trying to crank out as much as they can. They're trying to get as much done, yeah. because the last time we had a writer's strike, which was back in like 2008, yeah. um, it lasted uh, five months, four months, wow. five months, something like that so uh I, I have been auditioning a lot um for stuff and and the same that one particular show which i don't want to say it just in case uh but one particular show keeps bringing me back and the roles keep getting bigger but i keep not getting it so it's it's nice and i also finished a uh, a wonderful acting class i haven't taken a class like this in about 20 years and it was just really really nice i was like oh, okay so this blankety blank sitcom doesn't want me what are you gonna do and then i found out i'm on hold for a film that is uh, potentially gonna shoot in texas so it's nice. like man i really hope this strike doesn't happen
1: oh. <laughs> so. God, i can't i can't wait to, i can't wait i can't wait to send you a t-shirt every everything's bigger in texas except shannon mcclung oh there we Jesus. go <laughs> Already, right off the bat. Already.
4: he's 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 filled up his tank he's ready to go <laughs> oh, that woke me up here we here, go Geek Buddies. let's go. do it
3: <laughs> well fingers crossed uh, all right well here we go uh let's get into it michael i think you've got our first story what's going on
1: well you know uh mandalorian season three has wrapped up we have yeah. discussed it lots of people have discussed it a lot of people were upset about season three a lot of people love season three Of those people who were upset about season three, apparently Boba Fett is one of them. Uh, Tamora Morrison, uh, our good buddy, chilling over there in Jabba's Palace, expressed a little bit of disappointment about The Mandalorian's latest season. Uh, Mainly because he was expecting to be in it. Uh, He says (laughs) that uh, he was supposed to be in Mandalorian season three, but nobody rang me, he says. I was waiting for the phone call in New Zealand, waiting and wanting to give up. He said that uh, Pedro Pascal's appearance in Book of Boba Fett, well, the Mando guy stole a few chapters in my book. I'm sure this guy is uh, ruining my show, but I couldn't say anything. I'm not the writer, so I have to bear it, I guess. Um, so there you go. Now. Yes. Kiwis are weird people, you know? Maybe. Wow. Is he just having a good time? Is he just having a good time? Everyone in New Zealand, let us know. Is he having a good time or is he really pissed or is it somewhere in between? Because if I was Boba Fett... Mm. I would just be happy that I was where I was at this point.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an interesting because I, I I saw some people on Twitter who actually it, were in the room for this and they were claiming that uh, he was saying it in jest and that it's uh, getting lost in translation. But you know, as Shakespeare once said, there is always truth—a little bit of truth in jest—and so maybe there is a feeling. And he's a proud actor. He's a proud a proud member of Star Wars. Certainly. Having been Django Fett, and maybe he felt this was a little weird. A lot of people have criticized. I don't see many people who have defended the Mandalorian episodes appearing in the Book of Boba Fett, and maybe it was a little bit of a where a pride thing, where you needed to bring in someone else's uh, episodes to put him into my show, where I didn't even appear. I think in either of those two episodes, or if I did, it was really a small amount of time. Yet you call it the Book of Boba Fett, but we've got the Mandalorian all over it. Maybe there's a little bit of uh, bruised ego or bruised pride. And I don't know, if, where would he have fit in Mandalorian season three? It was already s- just stocked with people. I don't know where it would have ended up. Uh, Shannon, what do you think about these comments?
4: I mean, personally, even though he probably, it sounds like he was, he was being sarcastic. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think he's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, having the book of Boba uh, Boba Fett have uh, at least a chapter and a half that Boba so Fett was sort of inessential. Yeah, um, it, yeah, he, he's right. I mean, obviously, is this Pedro Pascal's fault? Of course not. Is right. this? It sounds like was this the creative team's fault? if the rumors are to be true probably not it sound like this this came came down from on high and there was nothing that they could do um i do agree with you john i don't know looking at season three of the mandalorian looking at what it was um yeah. i don't know where you could have st- you could have put him in, but again, looking at Book of Boba, Fett, I'm like, where, where are you going to put Dinjar in here? I'm like, oh, you're just going to take a chunk out of oh. Boba Fett's story and devote and devote it to the to Mando and Grogu. Um, yeah, I think most folks would probably say the creative decisions that were made with Book of Boba Fett, not just uh, giving a chunk of the section to another character, yeah. um, but some of the some of the way a lot of it played out it didn't turn out as well as they probably were hoping. Yeah. Um, there There is a scenario where the first two episodes, especially that second episode, um, that that was more along the lines of what we were going to get. Yeah. And yeah. it didn't turn out that way. So even though it does sound like he's kind of poking fun a little bit, um, as you said, John, every joke contains a little bit of truth.
1: I think he's, I think he's just having fun. I really? I don't think he actually... Okay. I, listen, actor, I don't think that... I I don't think he's right. I don't think that just because someone shows up in your show, it's not Hollywood's not tit for tat. Quid pro quo. Two uh, two chopped. Okay, I guess uh, I guess I'm going over to get there. But uh, no, I think he's just having fun. I think most actors are like they're happy for the work that they get. Every actor, of course, wants to get more work and would love yep. bigger roles. But I don't think I don't think that he's uh, I don't think that he's stewing in a sarlacc pit about it. I think he's oh. probably. I think he's. I think he's probably just fine. I think he's all right. And uh, and yeah, like, look. Do I think that two episodes of Book of Boba Fett should have been the Mandalorian? No. Do I think they were the two best episodes of that season? Sure. <laughs> so like, I don't know. But uh, look, I'm sure. I am sure this is not the last that we have seen of Boba Fett. Regardless, I'm sure he's showing up somewhere, probably in a Dave Filoni movie, coming soonish to a theater near us. Oh yeah, good point.
3: Well. Also, I mean, we're in a little bit of a sense, right? Because he's about to be uh, in the Flash movies, or he's in the Flash movie as Arthur, as uh, Arthur, as Curry, Thomas Curry. So, right, he's going to be so. We're going to see Tamura again at least there. He also said though, I think there was a few changes going on when he was asked about the future for Boba, because uh, season two has not been announced. And by the way, season four of Mandalorian has not been announced, even though Fabro says he's down and working on ideas for a season four. He went on to say, I think there's a few changes going on. We also come under oh, sorry, we also come under the big umbrella known as Disney now, too. So it's one of the last few conversations we had in L.A. The conversation started like, oh, look, we're having a few changes. We're having a few cutbacks. And when you hear that at the other end of the line, it's no good trying to negotiate any more money. That's for sure. So we'll see what happens. And apparently Disney uh, was busy with their CinemaCon presentation and could not respond for comments. So. That's interesting, too. I mean, that feels like a bit of a passive aggressive shot, doesn't it? Say, well, Disney's got no my, you know, they're talking. So uh, don't look for me anytime soon. It seems like he's come to terms with that. It feels like what do you guys think?
4: I mean, I don't know if it's a financial thing, but I think based off of the critical and fan reception to the book of yeah. Boba Fett, I don't think I don't think anyone's banging the drum hard. To see uh, another season of that show, despite the fact that we might like to see some of those characters again, not just Boba Fett, but also Finnick Shand, um, yeah. you know, I I, 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 don't think a second season of Boba Fett was in the cards at the end of that at the end of that yeah. season.
1: I mean, yeah. like, here's here's the real here's the real real like here's right. like what really the issue is is that Din Djarin is the mm-hmm. Boba Fett we always wanted. Right. Like, if you like when you love, like, when you loved Empire Strikes Back and you were like, who is this fucking badass? He's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then he got knocked out into the Sarlacc pit and you were like, okay, well, that's that. Din Djarin is this, he is the badass bounty hunter, got Mm -hmm. a heart of gold, but can fight with the best of them. Like, he's sort of taken the role of what most people grew up loving about Boba Fett. Right. And the reason. There's a lot of reasons that Book of Boba Fett didn't really land, but I think one of the issues they've had is they were trying to move the character of Boba Fett into this different area as this honorable criminal overlord. Like, I'm going to do Jabba's thing right. And I don't think they've quite yet. And I think, like, I do mean yet because I think they Mm. can do it. They haven't quite um, defined for us what Boba Fett is now. Yeah. Like he had some visions about his dad on Camino. He trained with the Tuscan Raiders. He yeah. tried to run a criminal empire. It didn't go great. He fought a he wrote a Rancor. Yeah. Then he kind of said to Fennec Shan in the last five minutes, Maybe I don't want to run a criminal empire. Let's go party somewhere. Like it was like yeah. it they, they never really said this is who Boba Fett is now. So I think the reason there's no season two is it was kind of like it it didn't land the way that probably Disney and Lucasfilm wanted it to land. But Boba yeah. Fett as a character, I kind of feel is a giant question mark for all of us. Like yes. he's not he's not the awesome bounty hunter anymore because Din is. So what is right. he going to be?
3: It's a good point, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. And but there was a a hashtag that was trending on Twitter, Shannon, for your. To put it into your mind, it, hashtag Bring Back Boba Fett popped up a couple of days ago and, and has been embraced by some of the Star Wars accounts on Twitter. So some of them are trying to say that, but then there's a pushback because a lot of people respond to these people saying like, "We did bring it back. You all didn't watch and you criticized it." And then brought up people's tweets who are saying bring back Boba Fett. They brought up their old tweets bashing the Boba Fett series, going like, "How would you? Why do you want to bring back something that you yourself bashed?" So you're seeing that kind of battle on social media because Star Wars fans love to fight each other in in the, in the pit <laughs> in a rancor pit. So you see that happening, and and I agree. I think I think the problem at the end of the day was look, Tamora's an awesome man. He could probably rip me limb from limb, but he's a little long in the tooth, and people weren't gravitating to that. People weren't necessarily enjoying that. And it isn't like what we like we saw. We're going to talk about the Equalizer or John Wick or it just looked he looked his age. He felt his age. Whereas you see someone like. Um, uh, fennec shand she was kicking ass all over the place and they didn't you know she's incredible but like with with tomorrow it felt like eh, it was a little bit like mm, what are we going to do here and i think you're right mike uh, i think actually i've never thought this before and you were 100 right the mandalorian is the boba fett we wanted and when you know and that's a younger actor younger character, younger person playing him so in the end that may be that's a tough thing to fight that's a tough thing to fight even though tomorrow did a nice job in season two of book of boba fett when he was in there and then a nice and i thought he did as well as you could considering some of the falling, some of the failures of the story beats or the storylines in the book of Boba Fett.
1: But I think almost. you bring up, a, you bring up an interesting point too. And I think it does mm-hmm. sort of speak towards uh, something that star Wars should consider. I mean, you mentioned the equalizer, which we're going to talk about the trailer yeah, yeah. for equalizer three, you mentioned John wick, those movies, one of the primarily, one of the reasons that those movies work, John wick in particular is because the goal yeah. of that movie is let me show you some Absolutely gorgeously badass choreographed fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the show is the story is built around we're going to give you this character, and we have a director, we have a director of photography, we have a cinematographer mm-hmm. that is, just knows how to make this look badass. Right. And Star Wars, as they're sort of finding their stable of directors, you know, like there's a lot of things you need to be able to do. Well, can you do special effects? Can you do visual effects? Can you match this tone? Can you do this? But maybe what Boba Fett needed rather than Robert Rodriguez and his shiny hot rods on Tatooine was somebody who knows how to go in there and go, we're doing John Wick on Tatooine. Boba Fett is out and he is pissed and he's cleaning up the town. Right. and each week was going to be a showcase for these elaborate fight scenes happening in Jabas palace right here that would have been a thing now right. it, there's a lot of other things that Boba Fett could be too i'm not saying that's the answer right <clears throat> but when you're but when you're aiming for it i just think robert rodriguez ultimately didn't give us a clear
3: anything yeah which yeah, the Jolly Rancher crew did not help. Um, okay, anyway, uh, we'll see what happens with tomorrow. We'll see if he's back. We'll see if these comments bear fruit or if they're just in jest, I think as things go along here in Star Wars, for sure, because we're not done with the Star Wars TV series anytime soon. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll jump into our next topic uh, right after this.
2: We did it. I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well.
4: When I'm in New York.
2: I'm in Chicago. And I'm in L.A. But
4: we're making it happen in Miro.
2: Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here. Mapping timelines here.
4: Or brainstorming next steps here.
1: It all just happens on the Miro board.
2: Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign off from this guy.
1: Hey! Well, it is true.
2: See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's M I R O.com.
4: Do, 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 do.
3: all right i forgot that, already is it my turn or your turn who is whose turn is it my turn or your, it's th- your turn? turn. Okay, it's your turn it's your turn that that was that was the theme
4: from the uh television series
3: oh nice good call um well, so aren't you clever <laughs> quick um so anyway uh yeah, is happening this week in las vegas i'm so bummed i'm missing out on it and one of the things that they showed I Kind of like the show Top Gun Maverick last year, they showed The Flash. And a lot of people are saying this is an unfinished cut, but that's what they saw last night. So maybe there's more editing to do. I've seen some critics saying that in their uh, reactions. So we're going to talk about these first reactions uh, to The Flash. I'm going to share my screen here and bring these up and uh, see what you all think about these reactions. We're going to start off with with, um, uh, Eric Davis here from Fandango saying, DC's The Flash is tremendous. Forget DC. It is without a doubt among the best superhero films ever made. An all timer, inventive storytelling, fantastic action sequences, so many nerdy details. I'm in tears at the end. Everything you want from a superhero film and more. Uh, My friend who's uh, at the Hollywood Critics Association, Scott Menzel, one of the founders there, said The Flash is hands down one of the best superhero films of all time. No joke. The Flash is the ultimate movie going experience. And as it has a little bit of everything action, emotion, heart, humor, and plenty of nostalgia, Ezra Miller's phenomenal, as dual Barry Allen's. Uh, let's see. Rob Keys here saying, "Just watch The Flash at CinemaCon. It was is it has some stuff in it you will not believe, and it showcases uh, much more Barry Allen's powers. It is indeed one of DC's best, and fits nicely as a bridge story between the old and new DCU franchise. It's also the funniest DC movie uh, for sure. Let's see what else. Who else I want to bring up here? Uh, Brandon, uh, yeah, Brandon Davis says, "Damn, The Flash is good. It's super inventive both visually and in concept. The dynamic of two Barry Allens is crazy well done." Scott Mann saying The Flash is awesome, one of the very best DC movies, a perfect blend of action, heart and humor. Taylor Gonzalez uh, saying The Flash was incredible, full of heroes, heart, humor, and hope. I cried several times, wow. Um, And I I know that Jeff Snyder, also my co-host on the Hot Mic, had some thoughts that weren't as positive. So just to kind of balance this out a little bit, I want to read you his uh, two cents on The Flash and what he thought about it. And his was not as glowing uh, overall about the flash. She just said he said that the first hour really works, and then it just gets real muddled for about 30 to 40 minutes in the second half of the film. And then, but ultimately, it is a good film. It just doesn't 100 percent hit the mark as I was expecting. So um, gentlemen, you hear these. I mean, Jeff seems to be one of the few uh, critics who are not uh, screaming the praises of this movie. What are your thoughts when you hear these first reactions about The Flash?
4: Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's encouraging mm-hmm. that a, a movie that they've been showing test screenings for a long time. Yes, I mean, yes, yes. prior to the uh, Warner Brothers Discovery merger. Yeah. Um, I, I knew someone that had had gone to a test screening and had said, like, it is it is just fantastic echoing a lot of the a lot of the statements that you've already made, John. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the best superhero movies of all time. Um, to know that at the time it was going to be viewed as a bit of, of a reset for for DC, and now them basically saying the same thing that they had gone in and done some additional work to help it connect. Uh, potentially connect to uh, Gunn and Safran's DC universe. The fact that you have you have this great you have this great film, and it sounds like they maybe had to put it into a little bit of a blender, yeah. <laughs> and add some additional stuff. So the fact that the the praise, not universally, but the praise seems to be pretty overwhelming. That is no small feat. I mean, I I can't imagine what it would be like to be Andy Muschietti and to have this, gr- you've done this great thing. And then you see like, Oh no, we got to go in and change a bunch of stuff. It's like, no, yeah. don't, it's perfect. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I had looked at some of the, uh, some of the reactions online as well. And I mean, I, I could not find one that, uh, that was similar to Jeff's. Yeah. Um, I, I got super high praise and really good praise. Like I, but, uh, to to what Jeff was saying. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't see anything like that, but it's really, it's really encouraging. So, you know, the Flash has had a very, very long journey to get to the big screen through several different creative teams. So the fact that Barry Allen is finally gonna get a big screen adventure is is really exciting.
3: Yeah. Now, Mike, what are your thoughts to these reactions? This is
1: gonna be Spider Man No Way Home. Ooh, okay. Like there's not been an early reaction like this in Spider Man No Way Home. And we all hold Spider Man No Way Home as up as one of the best superhero movies that's out there, because it is. But like this is how big that movie's gonna this movie's gonna be. Like it's just like you like this is one of those you can take it to the bank that people are gonna lose their shit over this movie. Like we're all gonna do our spoiler review of this movie, and the three of us are gonna be talking about how fucking great it was. We'll have our quibbles, we'll have our whatever, but we're gonna be like, God damn. Why? Wow. How? If DC had been doing this, yeah, the whole time, we wouldn't be rebooting it right now. But you know, like I, th- I think that's where we're gonna be with it. I think even little things, like in the when we a couple month, like last month or so, when we talked about that Ben Affleck article. Ben Affleck says that he, he's in this movie for like five minutes, but it's the best five minutes he's played Bruce Wayne. That he finally yeah. figured it out. He got it right. Like there's just from top to bottom, every single thing you hear, we've been hearing. Like Shannon said, we've been hearing for months and months and months. That this movie is that good. We've heard that that's why they bent over backwards to work things out with Ezra Miller so that they could go on their apology tour and do what they needed to do to kind of like, you know, uh, smooth all that over because they were like, there's no way we're not releasing this movie. So we've been hearing it. We've been hearing it. We've been hearing it. Now we're getting the official first reactions from people, and the first reactions are lining up with exactly what we've been hearing for months and months and months.
3: Yeah 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 i mean I, I some of the ones that aren't aren't even on uh twitter yet uh, some of my friends who are there dm'd me or texted me their their reactions and pretty much the same pretty much the same I, I, enjoying the action enjoying the storytelling the emotion of the film apparently the father-son stuff is a real big part of this movie so you know i'm uh it's going to be interesting to see what we're going to get there but also the cameos and the show the time that they spend all this kind of stuff with the new with the uh, older characters from the Snyder verse coming in that's Got to be interesting how they move it all and, and weave it all together. So, uh, so far, the reactions have been incredibly positive. And look, um, Spider Man No Way Home just looked it up. It made $1.916 uh, billion. Okay. That's what I'm looking at right now. $1.916 billion. I said that the Flash is going to break $2 billion. Am I? People say I'm crazy. Am I crazy that it might break $2 billion? People have a certain love for DC films and DC characters. Do you think that The Flash, because it's weaving all these universes together, basically the Snyderverse people, the, you know, the uh, separate, uh, the the possibly launching a little bit of hints of what we're going to get the James Gunnverse. Do we think this is part of, do we think that's going to help it get into the $2 billion range? Or am I crazy?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It might. I mean, I actually think you make a good point. Like, look, I don't like, the Zack Snyder movies, particularly, yeah. I don't. I don't like Man of Steel. Am I excited about them bringing Zod back for this? One hundred percent. Like, like I, like, like I, and we said this a thousand times. Like, I'm definitely one of those. Like, once you put something on the table, you got to use what's there. You don't get to pretend it didn't happen just because right. you don't. You don't get to pull a J.J. Abrams and Rise of Skywalker. Like, you've got to use what you got. <laughs> so, wow. so I think that even though I don't love Man of Steel. The fact that from that that moment that that first trailer came out and you're like, oh, he fucked up the universe, Barry fucked up the universe, and now Zod doesn't have a Superman to fight, that's brilliant. So I think that that's going to really satisfy Snyder fans because they get to see a continuation of their story, but I don't think it's going to alienate the non-Snyder fans. And then I think the movie also has that thing going for it that Spider-Man No Way Home did, Mm. which is Spider-Man No Way Home was like, we're going to bring in Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. And right. their stories. And everyone was like, oh, my God, I can't believe. And even the most casual comic book fan thought that was cool. Like, people who didn't even understand the multiverse at that time were right. still like, there's three Spider-Men in this movie, and that's super cool. And you got those emotional moments about with, like, Toby and Doc Ock and with Andrew and the whole uh, Gwen Stacy thing. Yeah. And I think the same thing is here with Michael Keaton. Like, you, have to, you don't even have to be a hardcore comic book fan to be like, yeah, that's Batman. Yeah. Like does Batman you the Batmans in this movie like and so I think that like it's it's a combination of all those things it has all the pieces that no way home did where you're like there's no possible way that you piled all of this into one movie and made it work right. and just like with Spider-Man no way home it like or maybe you did because everybody thinks everyone's saying you made it work
3: yeah yeah
1: Shannon what do you think I think 2
4: billion is a bit of a stretch okay i but i do think it could do top gun maverick numbers okay which yeah. that was like in more in that 1. like 1.5 1. 1.5 1. Yeah. um because i do agree that bringing michael keaton back like people you know on the heels of this big you know renaissance that michael keaton's had and has become yeah. so you know beloved again um watching him step back into the role that you know made him the huge superstar that he became for a time i think people are really really excited about that i mean even as vogel said the most casual moviegoer as we were watching that first trailer when people heard you see the silhouette of his particular cow with that bum 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 i mean people know that music like that's 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 uh not quite Star Wars and Indiana Jones, but that's really, but that's really up there. Um, where I don't think it maybe it, it doesn't quite get to the the number you're thinking, Johnny. Is um, I don't know if the DC universe prior to this has has had long enough has had that long enough arms um, to yeah. kind of reach into to to for folks to see the movie again and again and again, like Spider Man No Way Home. You're You're still dealing with the, you know, uh, the the MCU and, you know, you're coming off Eternals, which, you know, did not did not set the box office on fire. But you are still in the wake of Endgame and that glow that it had and bringing in Tobey Maguire, bringing in all the original bad guys, bringing in Andrew Garth. Like there was just such a there were just so many things behind that um andrew garfield being up for best actor that year i mean there was just so oh, much right. there um yeah. that i don't think the flash quite has as many bullets in the chamber but that does not mean that it's not going to make a ton of money
3: yeah and i'll be curious to see because i mean i saw some people already on twitter and look obviously people are going to bring this up you know talking about the ezra miller stuff and the controversy on ezra miller and they, what they did and all of that and and some people have been snarky about it like you know putting gifts of people drinking tea going y'all just gonna go crazy for this guy who was grooming people and assaulting people just because you want to see an old man in a batman costume i've seen those tweets right so i wonder because a lot of people think well there are people there's a contingent who think that the reason west side story didn't do well is because of the accusations against ansel elgort will these accusations i wonder against ezra ultimately affect the box office and if they don't mike do you think this is a sign to the studios that like, you know what? Just write it out and you'll be fine. Most of the public doesn't care. Even though it's a bad sign, it's a bad message to take. Is that, Hey,
1: you know, it the, the mass, most people, when it comes to entertainment, like, yeah, this is, and this is something everyone needs to struggle with on their own. Like, and we said this, I've said this about, said about Harry Potter. You can say it about yeah. Ezra Miller. You can say it everybody like you everybody needs to make their own choice if you don't want to support something because you feel really strongly about it i think that is everyone's personal choice and it's completely valid and you do what you want to do Yep. but the fact of the matter is most people when it comes to entertainment are going to be entertained yeah i think i think studios have a responsibility to work with the best people i think we're going to talk a lot about this when we talk about the james gunn article that's coming Mm -hmm. out right Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. that, that just came out that we're going to discuss as our main story but when you look at uh most people's viewing habits yeah if 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 the entertainment is really really good people want to be entertained they want to go see good stuff yeah there might be people there might be people in that that you don't agree with politically uh behind the scenes mm-hmm. uh there you know there might be people who have a history of uh yelling at people violent behavior right. and they're still getting cast and like everybody needs to make those decisions i think studios should always uh, work with the best possible people and don't work with assholes if you can help it. And particularly if someone is abusive or assaulting people, you shouldn't work with them. But when it comes to people's political views or are they a vaxxer, are they an anti-vaxxer, do they believe this or they believe that there's a lot of people out there that I really vehemently disagree with their politics, Mm -hmm. but they make good stuff. And there's things that I'm like, well, that was good. I I I wish it wasn't, but it was, um, and so I think it's like, you know, I think when we get into these big discussions about everyone on Twitter getting mad at everybody because, well, you're supporting this, you're not supporting that. I'm like, look, it, I just don't know that that really moves the needle that much in the big scheme of things beyond the scope of Twitter. Right,
3: right. Fair point. Uh, Shane, any
4: final words on this? It, well, yeah. I mean, I think even if this movie does come out and say it does make $2 billion, mm-hmm. say you're right. Um, I don't think this necessarily means that Ezra Miller is uh, any any studio's go to performer.
3: Right.
4: Um, I think I think the next studio that decides to, you know, work with Ezra Miller again, they're the ones that are really taking the risk. I think people know that Warner Brothers, as Vogel said, really been over backwards to try to make this work because they knew they had such a good product. Yeah. Um, But I don't think this necessarily rescues Ezra Miller's career, Um, no matter how good that performance is, because they're they're a compromised product right now. (laughs) It's like, okay, we want to get the flash out and make that money. But at the same time, it's like, who's who's going to take that risk to put Ezra Miller in your movie again? Like that will be. The real sign
3: yeah good points uh okay well let's take oh uh, anyway it's coming out real soon so you know it's on your. i think it's june 16th it's coming out so put it on your calendar get ready for this one and we're gonna jump into a trailer for this one and a bunch of other trailers uh right until we come back after this <laughs> all right shannon McClung, take it away
4: with trailers 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 three features three all on the big screen starting with what we've been talking about the flash uh on the heels of CinemaCon, uh we got not just one trailer we got two trailers we got we got the new uh, the second domestic trailer uh which shows off uh you know a whole lot more of uh michael keaton's batman we get a little bit more of sasha kai's uh, Supergirl um, and we also get an international trailer courtesy of Japan and you know from my days of of uh, living in uh, Osaka and seeing the uh, the Japanese trailers for American movies it it brought me back I mean yeah. it was <laughs> Minasan I mean it's just it's like they have the same trailer guy a trailer voice guy that we have here or rather they have their <laughs> version and it's so funny um but uh yeah the the flash trailer what can you say i mean i think people people were already jazzed about this movie and then looking at what uh, uh, another sampling of what we're gonna get not just in terms of the visual spectacle that we knew was gonna be there but also the character stuff. I mean, seeing that connection Mm -hmm. that uh, Barry has with Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne. I mean, it was just powerful, powerful trailer, but I'll throw it over to you, gentlemen. What did you think of our second look and third look
1: at The Flash? Mike? You want to get nuts? (laughs) Let's get nuts. Uh, No, it's one of those, I mean, that you can just... Yeah, we we've talked about this before on certain things, but you can. We talked a lot of it about on our Picard reviews uh, this season with Picard season three. You can yeah. tell when a movie's got swagger. You can tell when they just know that they know what they're doing. Yep. Um, you know, Marvel Phase Three had a lot of this. Like there was like we with Infinity War with Endgame, like where it's just like, oh guys, we already know we did it. <laughs> now we're just going to show you that we know that we did it. And everything about these shows, like like the the you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. That final shot of Batman oh, falling yeah. out of the bat plane with the bat the, the bat plane like framed by the moon, uh, 1989 Batman style. You just know that this movie's going to have and and this is what a lot of the early reviews are saying like their, their first reactions. You just know that they, they've got the right balance of like, they know the Easter eggs, they know yeah. the nostalgia. But then when you hear what's being talked about in this trailer, the second trailer, they know what their story is. Barry no. lost his parents. It's what made him who he was. Right. He went back and fixed it. Bruce Wayne has been dealing with it his whole life. So you got Michael Keaton talking about how his whole life has been devoted to this. And then you've got Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne talking about our tragedies define us. You mm. don't get to take it back. Right. So you can just see and then I'm not quite sure how Supergirl's falling all into all this but she has her own tragedy. Right. Like, you know, so like the the fact that you've got all these three characters that are all dealing with this stuff and Barry like kind of, you know, going in and messing with everything and it having a bad result like this is just it is a it is a flat it is, it is a flash story like the source material that it's based on is A+. Mm-hmm. And even though this is not uh, specifically that version from the comic, you can tell that it's hitting those right emotional beats, and it's just it's a joy when you watch something and you're like, oh, they they fucking got it. They fucking got it. The Japanese trailer, it did show some more stuff. you got some good scenes, but mostly, I'm with Shannon. I just enjoyed watching a Japanese trailer. It is a very it's a very different vibe, and I just I, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start watching more Japanese trailers.
3: Yeah, right? They come with subtitles down. I'm down. I'm down. Yeah. These were two great fun trailers to watch. And you know, the first one I was so caught up in watching the first trailer. I, you know, I said in my reaction, I was just like, this is cinema, man. I don't care what you say. People want to get mad about superhero films, not being cinema. It's bullshit. If, if a, just from a trailer that you can tell a film is using all of the available assets for creating a film and pushing the boundaries of what you can do with the medium of film telling a grounded emotional story and affecting people by the end of the movie then that's fucking cinema and so to me when i was watching this i'm like this is incredible the scope as mike as shannon mentioned earlier from 1989's batman to the snyderverse to beyond it is all here and we're seeing it in different spots and yeah, we don't get Henry Cavill as Superman, but I'm much more excited seeing Sasha Kaye, and especially in the second trailer, which showed us a little more of her emotion, or in the uh, Japanese trailer, a little more of, of what she's doing in the film. And in the uh, domestic trailer, the first trailer, we got to see her anger. We got to see her frustration, her saying, what did you do to Barry? And that scene of her flying in the sky, holding what, what is one of the berries in her hand, in her arms, is just an incredible shot. So Muschietti here, just direction-wise, uh, looks to have created one of the most fantastic superhero films we're ever going to see. So from both sides. And in the second trailer, we got more with Barry. And I, and I, I know I did a reaction to as well to that one last night. And I said, well, it's probably because, you know, overseas people don't care about the Ezra Miller accusations and issues. And they're much more lenient and open about that kind of stuff not saying that they condone it it's just that they're not worried about it as much as we seem to be here so they focused on putting more of barry front and center so you got more of the jokes more of the humor of it all but still the stakes were there you know but the interactions between the two berries that was a lot of fun to see in the second trailer so you know to me both of them did the job of getting people excited whether you were kind of trepidatious about ezra or not trepidatious about ezra you had to play you had one place to go no matter how you felt to enjoy a trailer for the film. So it was great. Two trailers, two berries it all connects. Well, the flash <laughs> comes out June
4: 16, just in a little bit here. and
3: oh, Whoa. Whoa. What just happened? No, he, he just, he self- just blipped. He just blipped. Oh, shit. <laughs> Is he gone for Can five you imagine years? This? No. Like
1: if this was, if this was the MCU, this was the moment that <laughs> Shannon just got dusted. <laughs> just in The middle sentence. He's just gone. We'll see him in five years. We'll be five years older.
3: But uh, yeah. but no, Shannon. Do you think, think he'll no grow McClellan. in the five years? Do you think he'll grow in the five- when he comes back from the blip? Oh, there he is.
1: Oh, That's it was, was a short blip. It was a short blip. He's back, everybody.
4: <laughs> well, that was shocking. <laughs>
1: it was. We thought <laughs> was it
3: cut. was it as was it as sudden for you all as it yes. was for me.
1: Yes,
3: Michael thought you'd gotten blipped we were like, what's it going to be like five years from now? What's it going to be like? <laughs> so our second trailer, let's just pick up where we were. Yeah, sure. <laughs> our sure. second trailer we I talked about a little, got-
4: <laughs> <laughs> a little bit earlier. Uh, we got our first trailer for the third Equalizer film. <laughs> so, you know, this is, you know, Denzel Washington and Antoine Fuqua. First one came out in 2014. And this was, you know, the, you know they had worked together before, you know, a couple times. And this movie was shockingly good. Uh, I don't think anyone really expected much out of it. They didn't think it was going to be a bad film, but it was like, okay, this is based off of an 80s uh, procedural. Okay. Um, Ended up being fantastic. Uh, Denzel Washington kicking all sorts of ass. Just a lot of fun. Uh, You know, a few years later, four years later, I believe we get uh, the equalizer Two. Pedro Pascal is going to be in it. It's like, all right. And that one uh, under delivered a little bit Mm -hmm. to the point that it's like, did we need, A third chapter in this story well based off this trailer apparently we did because denzel washington is being reunited with dakota fanning who if you've seen uh tony scott's man on fire it's like oh fantastic that these two are together again uh you know robert mccall he's relocated to italy he's he's confronting uh some things he's done in the past He he, you know, makes himself a nice little life with uh, some of the local Italians. Then we find out some of those folks get in trouble with the original mob, the folks, the Italian, the the, the real Italians, not the ones from New York and New Jersey. So watching Denzel Washington inhabit this role again, even though I saw no need for this movie, (laughs) watching him as Robert McCall, uh, a a third third at bat as Robert McCall, I think is really exciting. But gentlemen, I'll throw to you. What did you think of our first look at the equalizer three Johnny? Yeah,
3: I loved it. Are you kidding? This one spoke my language like nobody's business. I was, I was kind of, I'm with you, Shannon. The second one was kind of underdelivered. delivered. Um, I worked the junket for that. So it was a life highlight to get to interview Pedro and Denzel in the same junket. That was awesome. And then the film was kind of like, eh. and so I was like, ah, so this one though, looks a lot of fun. And this is the standard action thing, right? Once, the uh, you've done two installments you got to go to europe that's how these things work you got to <laughs> go there you got to try to find peace you got to figure things out you got where are you going and of course those people you f- you befriend in your small little town where you think you're going to be untouched you know rambo went to a fucking buddhist monastery up in thailand somewhere and uh, uh, richard krennis still found him this guy here <laughs> you know this guy's in italy and now he's taking on the Mafia, which is so interesting. <laughs> I, when I reaction, I was like, wait, what? The Mafia? He's taking on the Mafia in Italy. So <laughs> just the guts of it all, I think, is great. And he's still badass. I mean, I just remember. I mean, uh, the last time I think saw Denzel on screen was uh, was the Macbeth movie. So seeing him come in with something like this, where he's looking like he hasn't lost a step being a badass, and the I mean, the little moments that he has in the in the restaurant, grabbing that dude's wrist, being like, you know, this is this. If I go to level four, you're gonna shit your pants in front of everybody. Like, those little things. <laughs> Uh, and we only get Dakota coming in like right at the end, right? There's them at the press stuff for this. So it's really cool to see them together from man on fire, but we only get a little bit of her right at the end. So I don't know what her role is going to be, but overall, this was badass. It feels like a return to form, like the first one, kind of like John wake where the second one was kind of like, eh, and the third one really kind of came back to the, the roots of the first one. And the fourth one was fantastic. So um, hopefully this isn't the end of the series, even though Denzel keeps saying it is, but this looks like a lot of fun. what do you think there, Mike?
1: I'm going to tell everybody something. So some days when we're getting ready to do a Geek Buddies, these two are texting and they're like, what are we going to talk about? What trailers are we doing? What tra-? And then yeah. I get, I'm busy. I'm like watching a strawberry shortcake cut. I'm making notes. I'm like, you know, doing one of my thing. And so I kind of catch up at the end. I'm like, so wait, what trailers are we watching? And then they tell me. And I sometimes I go, oh, fine. I don't want to watch this shit. And then I have to go watch a trailer. And I'm like, "I do I, do I need an Equalizer 3? Who the fuck cares? I guess I'm going to talk about this thing. And then I watch it and I'm like, I never saw Equalizer two, but I'm gonna go see this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I tell you, uh, no, it was it's a great. You know, whether or not the movie's good, it's a yeah. great trailer, and it is one of those trailers that like, look, this could this could be Equalizer three. This could be Den- Denzel does Italy, and I would have been like, it's standalone movie. I'm like, I'm in. Let's go to yeah. see it. But like, it was it just was just a great. It's a great setup. It's a great trailer. And it did make me realize that, and I, you know, John Wick has sort of ushered it. There's always been this movie. I'm not saying John mm-hmm. Wick is the first one, but John Wick's success has really ushered in the mood, this era of the, I am a brutal, super violent person, <laughs> but I'm also a, a sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to violently kill you but I will now proceed to violently kill everybody for the next two hours. Like it's, it's like really like, like, and I'm like, you know what? Sign me up. I'm in. I, I want to go see it.
3: It's well, it's, it's the Bruce Lee handbook, right? I, I don't yeah. want any trouble. All right, let's have some trouble. And it's basically, that's what it is. Yeah.
4: <laughs> it's, it's what, uh, yeah, I don't know your all's opinions of these movies. I, I think we're probably on the same page. It's what uh, Tom Cruise tried to do with Jack Reacher oh, yeah. that uh, uh, Denzel is succeeding succeeded with with the first uh, uh, Equalizer, and hopefully he'll be succeeding with this one as well. Because
1: Denzel, Denzel's able to do a thing, and look, I think Tom Cruise is an A-plus actor, yeah. but this is one of the few things Tom Cruise can't do. Denzel Washington in this trailer is dead-eye. Mm-hmm. Like, when he's a devout, he's just sitting there, he's like, He's like, you got to get out of here. And that mafia guy's like, you give me a warrant? Yeah, there, that. that, Just like that, like that dead eyed, that dead eyed look. That's just like, I have no issue doing the worst possible thing. And Tom Cruise, he's too charming. He's got the little Tom Cruise in his eye. He can't get rid of it. He's got the twinkle. He's got the twinkle. twinkle.
4: (laughs) Denzel looks like a looks like an MMA fighter (laughs) who's about uh... about to take you apart. (laughs) Well, this uh, latest chapter of the sequelizer comes out (laughs) September 1st, and that brings us to our last trailer for next goal wins. So this one has a this one is a had a really, really interesting path to the big screen. One, this is coming from Taika Waititi. Mm. This is based on a true story. Uh, there's a documentary that goes by the same name, I believe in 2015. But it's about a Dutch coach, a uh, Dutch uh, uh, soccer, European football coach, who gets in charge of uh, working with the team from American Samoa, who had, one of, like, had the record for the worst defeat in the history of soccer. Um, this movie, he actually finished uh, before Thor Love and Thunder. So it had been sitting on the shelf for a little bit. I didn't know that. And they ended up, uh, one of the folks who was a supporting cast member was Army Hammer. Mm -hmm. So they actually went in and reshot. He was recast. Will Arnett came in. They reshot all of his scenes with Will Arnett. And coming in, like watching this trailer, uh, just looks like a charming, charming movie. Again, after... Uh, I felt pretty underwhelmed by Thor Love and Thunder, really wishing that he that maybe his for his next film, he'd go back to that uh, hunt for the wilder people, Jojo Rabbit. Uh, well, uh, this scene that seems like what what he's done, even though he actually did this before Thor Love and Thunder. I thought this looks charming. Michael Fassbender as a curmudgeonly coach, I think, is going to work wonders. Uh, gentlemen, what did you think of our first look at next goal wins?
1: Mikey, what do you think? You know, for all that I don't love sports, I love sports movies. <laughs> like, you give me a good sports movie and I'm in, and this looks like a good sports movie. Yeah, I, I think, to, to your yeah. point, I, I realize this, like, you know, as soon as Taika Waititi's name comes up, I don't like Thor Love and Thunder, particularly. I don't think it's that great. But the, this, the fact that I don't love that movie has no effect on my love for Taika Waititi as mm. a writer-director. Like I, I love his voice. I love his vibe. I love the the types of stories he tells. I love the way he tells them, and everything about this trailer feels like what I love about Taika Waititi. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm super down. I agree with you. I think that I think that sometimes after you go through the Marvel machine, I think the Star Wars machine, the DC machine, they're all all these when you do like the giant studio brand mm. name genre a thousand all the pressure in the world on you this is the thing you want to do. Like, I know he did it beforehand, but like, this is the thing that you want to sort of be like, to remind you of why you like doing this in the first place. Cause I think sometimes those giant movies can just ultimately just, even, even when you succeed and make it and it works, I think the process is just grueling.
3: Yeah. I, I, I champion these little soccer films. I mean, Years ago, I took my fellow geek buddy Michael Vogel to a gay German soccer movie. That was a uh, great movie. It was a great movie. We had a really nice time, and like nobody went to see this movie. But I was like, I saw the trailers. Like, Mikey, we got to go. This is what's the, the movie. is the, we the a
1: movie party? that made me gay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jesus. I was, I was so gay before that. <laughs>
4: A movie about balls made you gay. Oh, Copy that. Copy oh.
3: that. I Put some scoring in the balls. Yeah, listen, uh, yeah. So I I I love these little quiet soccer movies or football movies because we don't get a lot of them in the mainstream. So when we get a little bit, I know people like the Wrexham stuff now, and of course, all these people all of a sudden love football. Some of us have been here for decades, but you know, whatever. Uh, so it's cool to see it getting the love that it it, it has always deserved, in my opinion. So Something like this looks like a lot of fun, and I know this story. I remember this story because as a you know avid World Cup guy, I'm always up on the news of this kind of stuff. And Thomas Rongen is an is, is a oh, there it is there it is is a Dutch American coach. He came over and he coached. He managed my DC United in MLS for a couple of years. He also managed the under twenties for the United States um, on two separate occasions, by the way, and got them into the under twenties World Cups. A couple of times so he's he's very much a name in the u.s soccer circle and so when this happened and i don't know if it's exactly how they're saying it in the movie he's like you're either unemployed or you take this job i don't know how that a soccer coach can go wherever he wants so the fact that they were like pitching that i wonder how they're gonna no, make no, no, that no work.
1: movies movies that are based on a true story are always 100 percent accurate
3: oh yeah you're right you're 100 right yes 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 but this this looks like a lot of fun and you know Fastbender took that break has been taking a break for you know focus on family and racing so this is As you said, Shannon, this is something he shot a while ago because he's been kind of taking a break recently and he's about to come back with a bunch of stuff, of course, but, like, he took a break. So this looks like a lot of fun. It's probably not going to make a lot of money, but I bet it's going to be one of those, like, uh, heartwarming-type films that... And the humor is 100% there in every single joke they have in the trailer. So it has that kind of feel to it. And and I love that Taika really elevates um, the humor and the people who are in that area of the world that he was born in. I Mm. love that he likes to do that kind of stuff. And I think it's great to see that if, you know, Guy Ritchie can do his British gangster films, Taika Waititi can do these films that are set in, you know, Australia or New Zealand or American Samoa and have this Polynesian feel to it and all of that. So I think it's great. So it looks like a lot of fun.
4: Well, and the last time Taika Waititi did a heartwarming film, he walked away with a few Oscar nominations. <laughs> so the fact that this is coming out in November, it, yeah. it would not surprise me if they're, if they're feeling pretty confident about Next Skull Wins, which comes out specifically November 17th, 2023.
3: There you go. All right, well, let's take a quick break. We'll jump into our main topic here and talk this is James Gunn story from The Hollywood Reporter and how it connects to Guardians of the Galaxy volume three. But after this.
4: Do 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 oh. do 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 Um, all right.
3: Well, I'm going to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 tomorrow night at a screening here in San Diego, and I'm excited to take a look and wrap this and, and and close this chapter. I'm taking the Lady Outlaw with me, uh, who has loved Rocket <laughs> from the beginning, so she wants to see how things turn out for Rocket. But this article that dropped uh with James Gunn being interviewed and Chris Pratt being interviewed and Palm Clementev and Karen Gillan was really interesting in exploring. Oh, and um, uh, Sean Gunn as well, exploring the story of James Gunn from when he was let go by Disney. when he actually when he signed on to be play to direct the Guardians, when he was let go by Disney, and then the circuitous route with which he got he found his way back to direct this film, and then end up becoming the co-head of DC now um, going forward. And there have been rumors that there's friction between Feige and James Gunn behind the scenes. But you read this article, and maybe this is Hollywood stuff, but it surely doesn't feel like there's friction between either one of them. So, uh, yeah, gentlemen, what did you think about the article? What stood out for you? What were the surprises or maybe uh, moving moments here? What did you guys take away from it?
4: I mean it was a really really well written piece. Yeah. Um knowing the knowing the history and of how things turned out um it was just a really well written article and they talk about the the way that the cast sort of uh mobilized in yeah, in the wake well. of his firing. And you got to see uh, how how folks are different, how people have different approaches. Chris Pratt had a very methodical. All right, how do we do this? Dave Bautista went on Twitter and said, "Fuck you." That's
0: my boy. <laughs> I mean, That's how you do. It. You know what I'm saying?
4: <laughs> I mean, I was waiting for the Vin Diesel quote. It's all about family. Uh, but, but but he he and Bradley Cooper don't pop up in this. Uh, but you know watching how James Gunn's sort of weird ascendance as an A-list filmmaker, you look at the stuff that he used to do with Troma, you look at things like Slither or Super, where <laughs> Rain Wilson was playing a, playing a, playing a, playing a, a vigilante whose who's a, a catchphrase was shut up crime. Um, like, I, I doubt folks really could have predicted what James Gunn uh, ha, has, ha, ha, where he has been elevated to. And, you know, when you reference those tweets that came many, many years before before his hiring and according to the article, like, again, not not having done a deep dive on everything that transpired, but according to the article, things that he had acknowledged and apologized for um, how they were able to be weaponized. Um, because of some of his political stances like ah that's that's kind of crappy and how i get i think they said it was alan horn who was uh mm-hmm. the the main guy who who did make the decision to to get rid of him and now he's over at warner brothers and was a supporter of his to get this job at mm-hmm. dc so you know really watching the guardians panel the most recent one at uh, comic-con last year getting to see how this cast, at least, and again, maybe this is the Hollywood spin machine, <laughs> uh, but watching this cast be on stage together, getting to watch the trailer together, knowing that this is the last time this particular crew is going to be riding together, you know, it, it seems like there is a lot of affection for each other. Mm. And knowing, like, when a cast is so loyal to a director like that, it's it's a it's a really nice thing to see. him. Mean, you hear a lot of folks who a lot of folks who work for Zack Snyder say the same thing like they yeah. just mm-hmm. they love that guy. And it's the same with the Guardians folks and how they all sort of when they when they wrote that letter mm-hmm. and how it was agreed, like it's 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 all of us or none of us. And they all did it. So really well written article. Hope that the uh, hope that the movie is a is a tenth of what it seemed like it was going to be when we saw that panel at Comic-Con, because just watching the cast on stage together with James Gunn. it was very
3: heartwarming. It was emotional, yeah. Uh, and shout out to Aaron Couch and Boris Kit, who contributed and wrote on the article. Michael, your thoughts overall on this one?
1: Yeah, I think you know I think like two two big takeaways yeah. for me uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a very well written article. It, it is a great sort of t- snapshot of like the rise and fall and rise again of James Gunn. But I think, you know, we were talking about it earlier with the Ezra Miller of it all. It comes up with the J.K. Rowling of it all. I think the thing that really struck me was when, when James Gunn's tweets were trotted out mm-hmm. and he was fired and let go. And everybody, like this, is, this was at the height of everybody being afraid of cancel culture, cancel culture. I'm going to get canceled. You're going to cancel me. I'm going to get canceled. And what really struck me about this is at the end of the day, if you're a good, if, we, we never really know. Yeah. All of us on Twitter responding to the latest article and this guy said this five months ago and this girl did this this one time and this person said this in a back room and it got out on a thing. Like We are all responding to stuff about people that we don't actually know.
2: Mm-hmm. Fair point.
1: And we, and we will never probably get the full context of stuff. But the thing that you can be pretty sure about is when all of the people that work with somebody rally around them that that's when you really know what a person is really about. Hmm. Um, The Harry Potter cast isn't, isn't rallying in the way that the guardians cast rallies. Yeah. And I think, you know, that I, that, that when, when the James Gunn thing happened and the guardians cast really got behind him. And I mean, to your point, Hollywood, these Hollywood articles aren't going to completely manufacture something hmm. like it's not like the Guardians cast hates each other and they said hey here's the angle let's make you guys best friends like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. even even if it's being embellished a little bit for PR purposes and they're really blowing it big they're blowing it big because it really is there like you can tell at like, comic-con last year you can tell now like this is a cast that really does love and support each other and when the chips were down for James Gunn that cast really did circle around him and so I think it's just a good reminder at least to me personally that You know, you read about somebody said this in an interview one time or somebody did this thing or somebody got arrested for this or somebody's accused of this and you don't really know the truth. Mm. But when you start seeing when people distance themselves from someone or when everybody rallies around someone, that's when you really can say, okay, I think despite what is being spun this way or spun that way, I think that's the that's the thing to really look for that I always look for Mm. to give myself my own sense of like what. Where, where should I fall on this? The other thing, and this is one of those hippy-dippy Burning Man universe things, but this really struck me as well, was you never really know what's going to happen in life. Mm. And you, you look at how this all happened, particularly like he got fired. Marvel was Marvel was done with him. Disney was done with him. He was reeling. And by the time Marvel came back around and said, okay, you're back, he was like, cool. By the way, I said yes to Suicide Squad. <laughs> And here's the thing. Had all of this not happened to James Gunn, he would have done Guardians 3, Mm -hmm. but he wouldn't have done Suicide Squad. And if he hadn't done Suicide Squad, he wouldn't have done Peacemaker. And if he hadn't done Peacemaker and Suicide Squad, would he be where he is right now writing a Superman movie? Yeah. And so I think, again, in a very hippy-dippy kind of way, universe works in mysterious ways. And had he not gone through... All of the awful stuff that he had to go through, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have had that gap in time. DC wouldn't have approached him, and it would be in a very different James Gunn space right now. He'd still be doing fine. He'd have done Guardians three. Maybe he'd be lining up to do some next big Marvel series or some other thing somewhere else. But I don't think he'd be sitting there writing Superman Legacy. So I I, I think that that's another thing that when, you know, we all deal with this stuff, you lose a job. You don't know what's going to happen next. Something is weird happening in your life. Like you have to move. You have to do weird things. Like you never quite know what the universe has for you. And sometimes like the best surprises are kind of hidden beneath uh, some kind of tragedy. Hmm.
3: Very well philosophically said, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. You never know where it's going to go. You never know if you're, you know, and that's the thing. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. Uh, and you've got to f- navigate both with the equal equal approach right and certainly i think you make a great point here too about seeing how people rallied around james um uh, and and look he was joking about rape and there were these female actresses who rallied around him that speaks volumes the way he has treated them the way he is i mean palm clementia if they, they tell that story that she burst into tears and cut her appearance short at comic-con when she heard that they were going to fire him and let him go and all so there's certainly and uh, zoe Daniel was one of the first people to come over with her something of other to take care of him and jennifer in this situation and so you saw people rallying karen gillen is no not shy about the compliments that she drops on james as well and so you see how people react so it's i think at the end of the day what you take away from the story is like if you're good to people people will be good to you even in a jaded um, sarcastic, you know, uh, self-involved place like Hollywood. There are people who just want to take care of each other. And clearly he cast this so well, because I think that's an interesting part of the article as well, is talking about the casting choices that he, made, that he made and the things he fought for and like he didn't want Pratt. I mean, how much is the guy from It's Sunny in Philadelphia going to kick himself in the ass knowing that he was the second choice and what how his life would have completely changed Had he actually gotten Star Lord, but Chris Pratt, he had to be forces. And when he saw Chris Pratt and the connection and the chemistry with him and Batista, boom, that settled that. And then Zoe and bringing everybody in. So clearly he cast this with a bunch of actors who genuinely like each other or genuinely connect with each other and connect with him. And so the fact that they were willing to rally around him and defend him and Chris going above and beyond, I mean, you know, you're bringing in Maria Shriver. You're bringing in the Kennedys. That's massive. That's like fucking royalty, American royalty. You're bringing in Maria Shriver. Of course, he, you know, he's gonna. He ends up marrying her daughter. But like that, to get her opinion, not a lot of people can call on Maria Shriver, noted journalist, to be like, "Hey, will you look over my shit and edit it and get this right?" And if everybody can sign it and see if it, it, it's good enough, for people to sign. So you know, I, I appreciated the efforts all around and how the reaction. Was and that people and that Chris of all people was the one's like, you know, it's going to be better. And the way they treated Chris's faith, you know, that's something a lot of people were making fun of. In the article, you see that it's a strong thing with Chris. What he does with it was beliefs, opinions. That's fair to criticize, whatever. But you can tell that's a deep thing for Chris. And so him doing passages, him calling him, or doing these kinds of things, him fumbling that uh screen test, you know, and James having to kind of guide him through it and eventually get him on the right path there. All of that speaks volumes from a director who cares about his actors and sometimes you hear those stories about directors that look at actors like movable props and you don't hear these kinds of stories around those directors and and there's a reason for that because people want to connect with you they want to they, they we're all a bunch of massive insecure motherfuckers so someone that comes along and believes in you and you believe in them back it really gives you a strength and so i love that that permeates off the article
1: yeah, I think another thing that I thought was really nice about the article that mm. I thought was uh, interesting is, you know, sometimes, and it, I, this can be the Marvel Universe, it can be the Star Wars Universe, it can be the DC, it's any of the big universes. Yeah. Uh, directors come in, and it almost feels like they get eaten up by the machine, that mm. the, the DC Universe or the Marvel Universe or Star Wars is bigger than they are. Like, they're just struggling to tell a story, but they don't. It's like it's it's just all the special effects and all the executives and everybody weighing in. It just kind of becomes so much. And the Guardians movies, for better or for worse, have never felt like that. Um, yeah. They've always felt like James's singular vision. And when you read the story about him not really knowing if he was the guy for Guardians and then realizing Rocket and where Rocket came from, yeah. which he knew which he's known from the very beginning... And from everything I've heard is a huge part, uh, and everything we've seen in the trailers is a huge part of Volume 3, Yeah, um, that he really had this vision for what it was. And when you read the article, even when uh, the cast was off doing Infinity War and Endgame, mm-hmm. um, they talk about how the Russos were doing things and they were like, uh, yeah. I'm going called? James. I'm going to go call James. And just the fact that there was this singular vision and it was his vision. And that even when the actors in the Marvel universe were in other movies were kind of like, is it James? What do you think about this? And and how he was really honest with certain things that I mean, the two biggest things that people talk about with Infinity War and Endgame being um, that James Gunn was like, no, Peter would have shot Gamora Mm -hmm. and also Peter would not have pulled the asshole move with Thanos that it, you know like it's like yeah he has a he has a slightly different vision and I think that's really uh I mean this, a similar thing happened with Taika Waititi and uh and Chris Hemsworth with Thor when it came mm-hmm. to the Russos and I think you know it's, it's just interesting to see the loyalty that they have to him creatively with this world that he's created
3: yeah yeah another part of Shannon let me get your thoughts on this Michael as well I did feel it was a little bit like you've got the ego of James Gunn coming through here when he said that he can connect to Superman. He said, I completely relate to Superman because he's everything I am. He's somebody who's an outsider who feels like an alien, but also the ultimate insider because he's fucking Superman. And that's kind of like what I feel like. So uh, are we going too far? Or is that him just kind of maybe, you know, using a little bit of comparison, but not really saying that he's or seeing himself as Superman because you know Superman would make jokes about rape or pedophilia so just throwing Mm -hmm. that
4: out right but this was also this was a younger guy um who 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 made a mistake I mean and this is this is over a decade after the fact yeah so I think comparing himself to Superman I think he's looking at the position that he is in as Mm -hmm. as the co-shepherd of the new dc universe and so there is a superman like quality there and i don't think it means like how look at me i'm so great i'm so awesome it's like i got a lot of power here and i want to make sure that i'm using it correctly yeah um and all and also the whole thing about him being the outsider i mean yeah think about where he came from think about again the the, kind of schlocky little movies that he used to make so yeah it's it's suddenly it's it's the you know uh, not another teen movie like the girl with the with the ponytail and the glasses suddenly takes them <laughs> off and oh you're completely different like no, nope, same person <laughs>
1: just, yeah, I
4: just 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 put some context
5: in
1: I was I was just talking to a bunch of animation students uh, and uh, we were talking about imposter syndrome and I was and I said and I think this is and I think this is really what James Gunn is saying I was, I was like one of these one of these uh, one of these students asked me they're like how do you deal with imposter syndrome and I'm like uh, you don't you don't everybody has it I was like it never goes away. You have it forever, so congratulations. I was like, the only good news about imposter syndrome is that everybody has it. Yeah. So when you're in a room and you're feeling like you don't belong there, you just kind of look around and realize that everybody else in the room kind of also feels like they don't belong there. And I think James Gunn, what he was saying is the ultimate version of that. Like, mm-hmm. sure, he's James Gunn. He's building the new DC universe. Like, he's right. in geek in the world of geekdom. He's about as high as you can get. Like, you've reached, you've reached the pinnacle. He's still got imposter syndrome. He's still yeah. the nerdy kid in the back of class, uh, you know, making movies with his video camera after school. But so he yeah. feels like, he still feels like the ultimate outsider, but he's currently the ultimate insider. So like, that's I that's, I think what he was saying. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, anything more that stood out in the article for you guys? I mean, how he guided, um, got Nebula's voice to be on point there with the combo of Marilyn Monroe and, um, who, somebody else. Clint, uh, Clint Eastwood. Clint
1: Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, i we'll felt like here. you know what i felt like when i read that line it's like in the bird when nathan lane walks like john wayne and he was like was that right and robin williams was like it was exactly right i just never knew john wayne walked like that she said that and you're like oh yeah like do like marilyn monroe clint Eastwood," and i was like that is exactly how nebula talks that's i've never realized that that's what it was but that yeah. is
3: a hundred percent accurate it's crazy because I've always felt it sounded familiar, but I didn't. I could never quite place it. And then when I read that, I was like, "Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense right there, perfectly." Um, I drunkenly, yeah. I
1: drunkenly told her at Comic Con that I, it was weird to hear her talk in real life.
3: On oh, her Scottish voice.
1: Yeah, and yeah. then I did, and I, and I and she was like, "Why?" And I was like, "Because in the movies you talk like this." She thought that was very funny. I was very. <laughs> I was also very drunk. Uh-huh.
4: <laughs> I wa I wa- I wa I watched this happen. You- Half that story is accurate. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Shannon, Shannon, I I, love- I don't want to tell the viewers what uh, vodka soda you were on at that point, oh, but I don't think that your go. viewpoint at that
4: point in the evening <laughs> was accurate either. It was shiny and perfect.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> before we get in trouble, the, the thing that's great here too about the article is seeing the emotion at the end and talking about how you know he had that moment where it really hit him the journey he'd been on to end up back on this set, end up directing these actors, end up getting a chance to direct these actors saying goodbye to some of these characters. Because clearly it seems like from the articles, Ozil Dania is done. Chris Pratt seems to be done. Plum Clemente seems to be, she's on the fence. Batista said he's done. So clearly this is, you know, uh, one of those heartwarming stories in Hollywood where someone gets, uh, you know, someone, as you said, uh, Mike, the, the rise, fall, and then rise again of James Gunn. Getting to be back on that set and, and you know getting chances to, to direct them as they say goodbye to their characters and then move on, uh, uh, having directed all three of these installments, that's a rarity in, in Marvel.
1: It is. I mean, we'll talk. I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot more in mm-hmm. a couple of weeks after we've all seen the movie. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, James Gunn has clearly told the story he wanted to tell. Yeah, and he's off doing other things now. So this ver- these three Guardians movies are a complete. Beginning, middle, and end, finished story. Yeah. Now, if the Guardians go on within the MCU and we bring in a different director, a different vision or whatever, I just really hope that – I hope what they do is not try and stay in the James Gunn version of it. Right. But I hope they take a lesson from what James Gunn brought to the MCU – and let this new person, whoever it is, if they do continue to go on with Guardians, really put their mark on it. That, like, mm-hmm. here's a new Guardians with a new vibe and a new everything. So it'll be interesting to see.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: agree. Well, sure. and to
4: Vogel's Burning Man hippy-dippiness of things worked out the way they were supposed to work out, yeah. you know, there were a lot of people that were up for the Guardians' roles. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Momoa, allegedly, uh, according to a guy that I worked with on The Mentalist, um, Momoa was who they want. That's who Marvel wanted for wow. Drax. And that didn't work out. The yeah. guy that I had chatted, the guy that I worked with on The Mentalist, he had he had auditioned for Drax. He didn't get it. He got offered another role and then ultimately wasn't able to do it because of mentalist scheduling. But also Chadwick Boseman, he read for Drax. But because of them seeing him for they so like, well, he's not the guy, but you know what? He would be the guy for knowing that like Glenn Howard, <laughs> poor Glenn Howard, right? who has had so many brushes with big, big roles and just hasn't quite landed yet. I mean, you know, it's, it's just funny how the alchemy of that kind of works, that you get the cast yeah. that you're supposed to get. And then talking about the fall, how that
3: cast was there for you when yeah. you were kind of at your lowest point. Means a lot. Means a lot, for sure. Um, all right. Well, there you go. That's our episode of the Geek Buddies. Thank you all so much for joining us. We appreciate it madly. As always, uh, please remember to. Oh, just before we go, I'll remind you all. We are. Oh, I want to let you all know. We are going to do a, another episode later on this week on Friday, talking about all the stuff that happened at CinemaCon. So we, you know, for those of you who may be wondering, like, why haven't they covered all this stuff like craven All this, we are <laughs> going to have a CinemaCon only special episode that will be happening on Friday. I'll put it out as soon as we record it uh there um uh, for you all so just let you know before you leave just put that in your calendars and look for that on friday um
4: shannon what do we have to tell them yeah if you'd like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you'd like to follow mr vogel it is at mk if you would like to follow mr roca it is at the roca says
1: mikey Um, If you liked all this geek content and you can't wait to see what we're going to talk about on Friday, then here's what you can do to help us keep doing what we are doing. Uh, Hit that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Uh, Leave your comments below. What did you think of everything we talked about today? Are you excited for The Flash? Are you upset about Boba Fett and Mandalorian? Let us know all of it below. Definitely check out that James Gunn article. If you are listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars. Leave us some comments. Helps us go up in the rankings so more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video post it on your socials, send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies.
3: There you go. All right. Well, thank you all so much and uh, take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies.
4: (gasps) Hey!
5: Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement, as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye.